0: build your cultural competence listen to interesting stories learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them get the global perspective here at culture matters podcast on international business We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. The
1: Culture Matters Podcast, episode number 78. We have one guest on this podcast, but she's actually an author who writes with a co-author as well. So we have two people, but one person is representing uh, the podcast or the book that we're going to talk about. Chaitanya Sohan, or Chai for short, and Shaima Adi, both immigrants in the United States. Chaitanya from India, Shaima from Pakistan. In light of recent times and all the debate about immigrants and refugees around the world, Shima joined forces with the Chai to put forth the stories of immigrants from different backgrounds that have called America home. Their purpose in doing so is to paint a different picture of immigrants and refugees by displaying their side of the stories and the struggles of starting from nothing. Their book is called America Deconstructed. Let's get right to the interview.
0: It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith.
1: Good morning, Chai. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well, as well. Um, it's uh, before actually I hit record here, um, and we had a, this little pre-chat that we had uh, as I do with all the guests on the, on the podcast. And I heard some birds chirping, and it sounds like early morning birds. So where are you exactly on the world?
2: We are in California. Uh huh. So. To be precise, we're uh, close to San Francisco.
1: Close to San Francisco. Is that below or above? Because or east? Because west would be difficult. It is. Uh, I
2: think. I'm not sure. I'm not very geographically good.
1: <laughs> I I hear more people suffer from that. They're geographically impaired. They say, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you give me a at loca- A place? A city?
2: It's Fremont. So it's,
1: that's um, the south. That's the south baby. Yeah. Yeah. All right. San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, that kind of um, uh, area, uh, and it's early morning. You said it's like six thirty or something in the morning. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Good. All right, if you want to get a glimpse on of the backdrop where Chai is actually sitting and an early morning glimpse of Fremont, um, uh, which is the South Bay of San Francisco, you can go to culturematters.com slash YouTube, because we're actually videotaping this as well. Great. Okay, now we have you on the on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Um, where do you come from? Where are you now? Well, that part we know already. And what would you consider your cultural frame of reference? There are a lot of questions, but take your time to answer.
2: Um. I am from India, so I grew up in India, and I came to the United States in 2001, Uh actually a month before 9-11 happened. Okay. Um, I am an engineer by degree and by profession, Uh so I work full-time as an engineer in the Silicon Uh Valley, and I work for a medical device company that makes implantable devices for the brain, so that's my full-time job. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, my part-time job is writing, so I've been writing since I was... 12 years old.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Initially, when I came here, my stepdad's a web engineer, so I would write a lot of content for him. Mm-hmm. And that was just a passion. That was just something to do outside the technology world that kept me sane. And then uh, once once I started working, I decided to write my own book in 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend and I, we wrote a book called America Deconstructed,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which is a short story book about immigrants in America. And um, we interviewed 16 people and wrote this story, which is pretty much they talk about their culture, where they come from, yeah. how they came here.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I'm from India, so.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting backdrop and background already. And she came to the United States in 2001. yeah C- Correct. Out from India, that is. So I want to talk about the book in a moment as well, because that's actually the main reason why, why you're on the show. But since you are Indian and uh, this is the culture matters podcast, we talk about culture and cultural differences. I'd like to dig in a little bit deeper, uh, in uh, your own experience because, um, I'm not going to ask how old you are, but you look, uh, at least above 18. If I can be so liberal to, uh, to guesstimate actually, that. Pardon? I'm sitting-
2: I'm 16. I'm an overachiever. No, I'm actually
1: over 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. Otherwise, you have to sign another form for sure to get on this show. <laughs> All right. Worried. No, you're good. Um, and that that means that you came to the United States no, well knowing your background in India. I guess correct. Yes. So, which part of India are you from? Because that determines to some extent also a different outlook. Uh,
2: I'm from the southern part
1: of India. Which is which so- state?
2: So my parents are from a state called Kerala, which uh-huh. is uh, the southernmost, I think it's almost the tip of India, it's a coastal area of India, uh-huh. but I grew up in a metropolitan city called Bangalore, uh-huh. which is okay. also in the south, but yeah, yes. that's where I, I was born and raised.
1: Okay, it's the most educated state in um, in India. In, yeah, terms, yeah. in terms of literacy rate, that is. And then yeah. for those of you statisticians, the overall literacy rate in India is about 65, according to the latest census, where 65% of the population can read and write. And guess what the percentage in Kerala is? Would you know by any chance, Jai? It's
2: around 90,
1: I think it's over 90%. Yeah, it's 99%. Yeah, close to everybody can read and write. Uh, yes. So there's a there's a distinct difference when it comes to culture within India if you travel from north to south and to some extent lesser if you travel from east to west. There are differences, but they're not as strong uh, between the north and the south, I guess. Would you agree?
2: Uh, there is a lot of difference. There, <laughs> there is a lot of difference. Yes, yeah, that's different. true.
1: Talking. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's it. Okay, talking about difference and cultural differences, what was the uh, your biggest shock, if you want, or eye-opener or, I don't know, misunderstanding or uh, enlightenment or something like that when you came to the United States first and started living there? Because there's a distinct difference between going on holiday to a country and staying there for two weeks and actually, you know, going over and, well, not going back, at least not within a reasonable period of time and starting to live in another country. So what was, how did that go for you?
2: So uh, just a little background, I, when I came to the United States, that was the first time I was traveling outside of India.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we traveled a little bit, just visiting family and stuff within India, but never really outside of India. So, um, But I come from a multicultural family. My, uh, my grandmother is Anglo-Indian, so I already had a lot of the Western influence in my life. Uh-huh. People here, every time they talk to me, they're like, oh, you're not the typical Indian, which I don't know what that means because... The India I grew up in was very, very diverse. Yeah. And so when I came here, I spoke good English. I, mm-hmm. I used to emcee a lot of shows. I used to host shows back in my high school. So I was very confident in my English-speaking skills. Mm-hmm. And yet when I came here, uh, the very first class I took in college, because I came here for college, mm-hmm. was a public speaking class. And I was so nervous to speak. I could not speak. I was literally shaking. And so my professor gave me a podium because... Uh I was shaking so much. Even though your
1: English was good. It was not the English thing. Good. And
2: also I came from an all-girls school and I was in a co-education. So that was also a very big difference. Besides that, I mean, it was everyday things like, you know, walking on the street in America, people greet you. In India, people don't greet you. And so the very first time I was walking in the street, somebody said, "Hi, how are you?" And I actually stopped, and I was going to tell him exactly <laughs> how I was feeling. And this guy just walked past me, and I'm like, "Why are you walking? Like, you know, I'm standing right here." Yeah. And I didn't realize that "Hi, how are you?" was just a greeting because I, yeah, you know. And so these were the small, these small things. Like, I mean, I remember my stepdad came here six months before we did, my mom and I. And so he said, oh, you know, in America, there's nobody on the streets. Mm-hmm. And in India, you know, we have a billion, over oh, a yes. billion
0: people.
2: <laughs> <1. So many laughs> people on the street. <laughs> and so for me, that was a big shock because you come here from there to here. And the very first time you walk on the street and you don't see anybody. And, you know, it's like, wow, do people not walk here? Uh-huh. You know, we didn't have a car. So we were the... Possibly the three people walking on the street a lot, you yeah. know, yeah. to get food or whatever. So, those were the biggest um, differences initially that I saw. Okay. It got worse <laughs> once I started going to college because the service was different. Um, you know, understanding different accents was very hard yes. because a lot of Asians here uh-huh. and Asian um, accents were totally new to me. So, uh-huh. I took a computer engineering class and my professor was Asian and it took me one week to even understand anything he spoke. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to study because I don't know what he's talking to me. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> so good. <clears throat> so is, at this moment you've been here, um, here, which is in the United States, you've been there like you're in your, in your 16th or 17th year at this moment. Are there still things that you wonder, I mean, that you understand to some extent, but still wonder like, it's, it's still not me.
2: Yes um there's a lot because i'm my husband's african-american so Uh he's born and raised in the united states and i'm not and i mean it makes for a very interesting everyday life because i mean we have simple issues like the words i use Mm -hmm. the way i say certain things and to this day i mean we've been married for eight years and he still cracks up when i say you know like calcium because they say calcium here okay oh oh that's funny and you know i I have more of a British accent, I guess. When I was in India and when I came here, it somehow changed into some kind of an accent that I don't know what it is.
1: It's not as strong Indian as it as as the yeah. the normal, the average Indian, if you want.
2: Right, and so um, and so a lot of people don't think I'm from here as well, which is mm. a, which is a, a big thing for I guess because they're like, oh, you don't speak Indian English, so you're not from India. And I'm like, no, I am from India. I yes. look Indian, I think.
1: <laughs> yes, and um, okay.
2: Uh, but yeah, there there are, I mean, I work in the Silicon Valley and, you know, we, um, I guess I speak faster than a lot of people, I guess, coming from where I do. And also the language I grew up speaking at home is faster, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Malayalam, and it's a little more faster than other Indian languages. Uh-huh. And so my English is faster. And so my, my bosses, they have a hard time understanding me sometimes They're like, slow down, slow down, you know, you're going too fast and, you know, things like that. But yeah. I mean, a, a, the biggest thing that I still see is people still have no idea what India is like. Yes. And um, and I think that's where I find it hard because a lot of people try to tell me about India and, you know, what they think it is. And I'm like, no, but I grew up there for 17 years. I think I know it more than you yeah. do, you know. So that's the struggle usually.
1: Have you have you stopped, uh, con- not contradicting, but have you stopped explaining to the people how it really was or do you, do you just let them let them talk?
2: Uh, It's changed a lot, I think. When I first came here, my very first instance of that was in college where this guy told me, oh, you must be really glad you you take showers in the bathroom because in India, people take showers on the street. And I'm like, no, I didn't take. And we had a whole debate. And, you know, I'd just been six months and I was like, oh, I'm going to tell you exactly what it's like. And, you know, I I was was very defensive about it. But now I just let people talk. Like I went, on, I travel quite a bit, um, yeah. and I went. I think I was in Dominica, and I met this guy who traveled to India for like two weeks. And he told me, "Oh, India is like this and like that," and I just let it be. I'm like, "That's yeah, fine." Yeah.
1: I'm that's, that's to- what that's what I figured. That's what eventually what you you should okay, look, just forget it. You know, if you, it's yeah. it's. I know how it is. I don't. I'm not here to better the world, really. Yeah. And you've also you're also saying yes and no with the the Western way, if you want, and not the in the the Indian wobbly head, as they say. <laughs> no. That's one of the stereotypes, I guess. No.
2: It is. It yeah. is, and I didn't realize it until. I think, I mean, my parents are both Indian, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, Indian is predominantly my house. Yes. And so my husband got married, we got married and, you know, we moved in and my husband's like, oh, you know, a lot of the Indians, like they do the head shake. And I'm like, really? And that's when I started noticing, because for me, it was just normal that people talk like that. Okay? Yeah. I just didn't notice it. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I have, I've been married to an Indian myself for ten years, and um, I could never, I, I had to sit down with my mother-in-law, my Indian mother-in-law, because if I would ask her, you know, would, do, would you want some tea, she would ju- just simply go like this, and then I would say, do you want some coffee, and she would go like, and then I said, Mita, we need to sit down because I can't read the code that you're signaling to me. And you would really help me if you could just, you know, help me by saying a yes or a no because I can't read between those lines, you know. I don't have that ability. So that was that was an interesting, uh, interesting conversation we had at that time.
2: Yeah, I mean, even in my house, my, we live with my parents and you know my husband and my mom. They sometimes they have those issues, you know. It's yeah. like cultural differences, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, you know, because my husband's African American, and generally speaking, you know, they're louder than you know the in India you know, uh-huh. women are not used to the that high of a volume I yeah. guess from men and so initially mom's like oh why is he screaming at me I'm like no he's not screaming at you that's how he talks and she's like oh okay but initially like she had no idea she's like oh this guy's always screaming at me <laughs> Sorry, but like, what did I do wrong yes
1: <laughs> after 16 years of the United States what do you miss most for, from India or about Every, India
2: I mean everything India is home it's it's always home because for me, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Most people come to the United States because so there's a lot of planning involved. You know, they take years to, to plan their move to the United States. Mm-hmm. But it was a little different. My stepdad got transferred from India to here. So we had like six months. Okay. So I was already planning to go to college in India and I had all my plans down and, and then everything changed and I had to move out here. So the first two years that I was here, I tried to revolt and I'm, I'm not generally a very rebellious person, but I'm like, I'm going to try to revolt this so I can go back to India and my parents are going to get so tired of me and just ship me back and yeah. everything's going to be great. But it didn't happen. And they were like, we know you're just acting out to so just, you know, sit in yeah. and study. <laughs> you know, yeah. it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, everything. I've gone back twice uh-huh. and I see so much difference. But the thing that's always constant <laughs> is the whole Indian culture. Which, you know, which is, um, you know, people being friendly, you know, my friends are there. I grew up with these people and those things don't change. So, I mean, everything is everything. Yeah. Good,
1: good, good, good. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for this very extensive background. It's it's a it's a it's it's nice to hear like this as well uh, from the Indian side, and then having 16 years, which is a good chunk of experience um, in the United States as yeah. well. So, I have a couple of, couple of questions of you for you. Um, being an engineer, and then you had a hobby which was writing, um, and then you guys, which is your co-writer. Uh, I, sorry, I lost her name to be honest.
2: Shima.
1: Yeah. Yes, um, she is from Pakistan originally.
2: She's from Afghanistan, Afghanistan. and then she to Pakistan. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah, okay. And you decided, okay, let's let's do this hobby, let's do something with this hobby, and let's write this book. Tell us a little bit about about what the, what the book is. You mentioned it briefly, but just do it, run it by us again, please.
2: Um, it's called America Deconstructed, and so initially, um, Shaima and I are friends from college, so we both are engineers. You have to speak
1: a little bit closer to the to the microphone, please.
2: Um, And uh, Shima and I are both engineers and we met in college and we were best friends and we would talk about our everyday about people. I mean, uh, you know, people having all these preconceived notions about our culture. Uh Something as simple as she would go to uh, she would tell me that, oh, you know, I go to get coffee and I never say my name is Shima because people can't say it or spell it out. And so I say my name is Sally. And so you know, and my name is Chaitanya, and I uh, in college I was called Shitanya by my professor because he couldn't say my name, yeah. and so it's like okay, this is it. I'm gonna so. I have not changed my name, but anytime people ask me what's your name, I say, hey, my name is Chaitanya, but you can call me Chai, you know, so it's easier. And so we would talk about these funny instances that happened to us. And uh, that's how the book happened. The book is a short story collection. Mm -hmm. We interviewed 16 people, Mm -hmm. uh, two of us being me and her, yeah, and uh, 14 other people, people from Afghanistan. There's people from Philippines, Kosovo, one lady from Britain. Um, All these people moved to the United States and we've told their story and we've focused more on the human side of immigration, which is, uh, you know, the situations that arise from cultural differences. I mean, British lady, Molly, she told us about how she didn't know how to turn on a washer and dryer in the United States because it was so different from how it was back home. And her American husband would teach her how to do it, and she would get so mad at him because she's like, "I know how to turn this on, but I just can't figure this thing out here." Right, you know, and things like that, and as well as having a British accent, and and so uh, that's where the book happened. And it's sixteen short stories about people who immigrated here, mm-hmm. and um, and. How they came here. What are some of the funny things that happened to them? It's been very free flowing, sort of like this podcast. Um, Didn't give them questions ahead of time. We just sat down. We started with, where are you from? And, you know, we just went along and hopefully ended on a positive note. But every question, I mean, every story answers the question of which is home.
1: Pretty Mm, much. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, go
2: ahead. No, that's it.
1: Okay, that's it. Um, why this topic? What? Why not write your own story or, or that of Shaima? Uh,
2: we decided to, we wanted a diverse, we want a diverse approach to the stories. And we thought um, this way we could, we could get a lot more, you know, a lot more content, a lot more fun stuff. Because mm. I mean, our lives are just this much, you know, we, When we started writing the story, we didn't know where we were going as far as I wrote mine and then she, I interviewed her and we wrote hers. And, you know, it was was very similar because we both came here around the same time. We're both engineers, we're both girls, you know. A lot of it was very similar except for the way she came here and I came here. That was the only different aspect of it. But then we interviewed this guy, Nasir, who'd actually escaped the Taliban and, you know, as a nine-year-old, escaped the Taliban and moved to Dubai and... He was selling eggs and potatoes in a schoolyard, and we're talking about a guy who's like in his early thirties, and you know, it's close to our age. And we're like, "Wow, okay, I never sold anything in my life, you know." Yeah. And so, having started interviewing people, we got a lot more interesting content. Okay, I think we wouldn't have gotten if it was just my story and hers because right. me, you yeah. know, never really had to struggle a lot to do anything
1: here. Okay, fair enough. How, how did you find the people? Were they just? Did you, did you, were you specifically looking for? I want somebody from the UK. I want somebody from, well, India, Pakistan, or uh, Afghanistan. at this moment, how did you um, do that?
2: That's interesting. We had a lot of. She being Afghan, she knew a lot of Afghans. Mm-hmm. I knew quite a bit of Indians. Um, some of the people I interviewed were people at my work. That um, you know that came from like there was a lady from China. One person from the Philippines. But for the European immigrants, that was a little harder because mm-hmm. we didn't really know anybody. And so we went on this, uh, we went on one of the websites where you get, find a lot of freelancers because that's what I used to use to write, you know, when I was a freelance writer. Yeah. And so we used that website and I, and I paid people to interview for us. Okay. And we, uh, we got a guy from Kosovo, which I thought was very interesting because he's, he's, Caucasian.
0: Yeah. And,
2: you know, as someone who's not white, you wouldn't, you would think, oh, you know, for me, people would, you know, see me as an immigrant, but, you know, you're white and, you know, what what would happen to you? But he talked about coming from like a very small town, like, you know, Kosovo and coming here and telling people, hey, I'm from Kosovo and people asking him, where is that? Or, you know, oh, that's.
1: And where is that?
2: It's near Albania. So he calls himself an Albanian now. Kosovo,
1: you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yes. But, uh, when he came here, he would like, "Oh, I'm from Kosovo, and you know people are like, "Oh, cool, where is that?" And yeah. you know okay, i people don't even know where I'm from, so we got that, you know we got people like that
1: okay and and what what is i mean other than possibly an economical uh um like making profit with a book like that, what other goal did you have in mind, objective did you have in mind you two together?
2: We didn't i mean when I started like this is an idea that I pitched to. To up because you know we've been thinking about doing something together, and you know writing was something that I I know that I can write, yeah. and I think had the confidence to pitch the idea and say, hey, you know what, we can we can do this uh-huh. a lot more than something else. Uh, when we started it, and even now, I don't think we really we're not looking for the profits. Yes, we want our book to do good, we want it to be a bestseller, so this so people can read these stories more so than you know the profits that come out of it. Um, because I think in today, especially in today's America where, you know, immigrants are, you know, we're going through our own issues as far as a travel ban and, you know, immigrants being targeted. And I think this this book kind of shows them in a more positive light versus mm-hmm. a, a legal and illegal a visa stamp. Do you not have one? You know, it's more about people and how they came here and yeah. the culture they bring. And I think when I started this book, the biggest thing that I wanted people to know is, Every country is not as poor as CNN or BBC makes it seem, you know, you know, there's a good and a bad everywhere. But I think, and I, and I think the reason why I wanted to write this book was also because of that, because I dealt with a lot of this when I was here for 16 years old, people not knowing where India is or, oh, you know, like, what do you, what do you guys eat in India? And I'm like, uh, food, (laughs) you know, (laughs) things like that. And I mean, it's funny because my husband, um, he's born and raised here and you know they're in the bay area they've been here forever and yet i got married to him and he told his dad hey i'm marrying this girl who's from india he said oh you're getting married to a native american he's like no i'm getting married to a girl from india 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 yes i mean they didn't know what i ate they like they were like oh you eat curry and i'm like but curry is not a dish you know like things like this and so i think a lot of This book came from my experiences living in America and having to tell people curry is not a dish or, you know, I mean, just because I, you know, I don't speak Indian English doesn't mean I couldn't have been born in India or, you know, Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Well, that that's that's good. It's um, that's interesting to, to hear about the, the the reasons why you write this this book. And um, the question, another question popped up. Have you heard of the series "The Chicken Soup for the Soul"? Have you heard that?
2: I have. I've never watched
1: it okay well it's it's just a it's just an idea maybe i should pitch it to you privately rather than doing this on the podcast but it's it's a it is a collection of stories as well um and it's it's worth checking out uh, either online or in a real bookstore to flip through it and they're real real people um telling real stories but they don't have the specific angle that you have in terms of immigrants and and i think indeed at this moment um I mean it's very actual it's it's uh, even with I mean typically with the, with the uh uh if you still if I want to say the political situation that the United States is in currently you know the polarization going on um etc it might be a very uh a very factual or or topical issue to um to talk about so i can see a, a number of part 2 and part 3 books Already uh, in my mind, I have I can see that <laughs> sort of in That's a way developing. <laughs> yeah, we'll think about it. Anyways, um, so the, the, the other question that I was thinking about in in uh, preparing and reading through uh, the Facebook page that you have for this book, which is called The American Dream. No, America. Goodness, no. S- help me out because I wrote something totally, totally different.
2: <laughs> America deconstructed. deconstructed. Now i tell you how that came along.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course, of course.
2: Okay. And so I used to watch this show called Chopped, which is a cooking show. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it's pretty much you know, chefs. They give them a basket of ingredients and they got to make something out of it. And so a lot of people make a Napoleon deconstructed Napoleon, the dessert, and, you know, they deconstruct it. And so when we we're looking at this book, I'm like, you know what, let's do America deconstruct. It totally came from that show because yep. I'm like, we're just deconstructing layers of America. Well, that's good, let's-
0: yeah
1: an excellent excellent title because one of the i I indeed uh had the question it's reading it right now explain the title of your book america deconstructed so there you go you just you just um, mind read that i can take that questions off i don't don't have that many questions prepared but i do have another question prepared for you which is therefore i i was confused with the title um American dream. There, there is a somebody who is currently in the White House who said the American dream is dead. Right now, I think a lot of the immigrants over time. Then, and I—that's and my question to you now as well. The people that you interviewed, to what extent is the so-called the American dream? Is that an, a, not an issue? A topic for them? Is that does that still exist for these people, I or think, for yourself as well?
2: Um. So I think. I mean, it's funny because me and Shama, we always talk about it because, you know, we've had the struggle of publishing this book. And, you know, American Dream is sold to you that, you know, you do the hard work yeah. and the, the dream just happens. But, you know, there's a lot more than just hard work that goes into the dream, I I think, personally, you know, because I think we have a good book. Yeah. But as new authors, uh, with the short story collection, we've had our, our issues with selling it to publishers. It's never been, oh, the writing sucks. And I can take that. But uh-huh. it's always been... Uh-huh oh, you know, I don't know if it's going to sell because you're new authors, you don't have a platform. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not a celebrity. I wasn't born a celebrity. I don't know what to say, you know? So I think the American dream exists, but I think it, it, what we don't hear is there's a lot of hard work. And I think you might have to change the dream a little because, you know, I mean, for instance, for me, when I went to college here, they sold the <laughs> idea that I was going to be a design engineer. You're gonna design these like super cool gadgets, and I'm like, oh, you know, I can do this. This is what I look for, but that's not what I do right now. Right. <laughs> so, no, yeah, so it's, just, it's just a different version of the American dream. I get paid well, you know. I'm still an engineer, but I'm not designing anything, no. you know.
0: Yeah.
2: And so, I think most people that we uh, interviewed in this book, most people come here for the American dream. Some right. people are here because you know they came to join their spouse, get married to someone, whatever. Uh, But everybody realizes that, you know, the American dream, when you set out from your country, maybe the dream you had is not exactly the dream you're living, but that's okay because you're still living a good lifestyle. You're providing for your family, you know, and um, that's kind of what I got from the book
1: okay well that's cool that that was that was indeed on my mind because it's the, the it's 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 still the American dream it's still if you work hard enough you can possibly make it in a slightly different dream and that's um that's what you said yes uh can you share uh, I, I know you, I can read some uh, on the uh, the website as well which we just I've got that tab open as well the American deconstructed there you have some um some outlines uh an alien in America Azim karimi is a happy man I saw a ripe mango. I'd like to pluck. What of the stories of the people that you've interviewed, what jumped out most? What made you heartwarm or or maybe sick in your stomach or happy either or?
2: Um, I the story, the third one. Uh there's I think a ripe mango I'd like to pluck. Uh-huh. These are two, um, this is a friend of mine from college. She's Nigerian. She's very she's a very strong Nigerian woman, mm-hmm. and you know. You
1: have to speak a little bit closer to the mic again.
2: Sorry. Uh, And uh, so she's a friend of mine. She's a Nigerian. Um, And so when I interviewed her, she came to my house. She came with her husband. I decided to interview her. It became a couple's interview. And um, I mean, it was really cute because you could – it somehow went into an interview aspect and I kept it just like an interview because I, I just couldn't make it into a story. So usually what we did was we interviewed people mm-hmm. and we made it into a story. We added a intro. You know, we changed the format with the content that we got. Yes. With her, we kept it as real as we could simply because um, you could just see the banter of a couple. You could see the love. You know, you could see her saying one thing and him saying a completely opposite thing. And I think that was very, very cute. I mean, it was just super, very cute. Like they were fighting over little things about, you know, how they met and, you know, he had his version and she had her version and, you know, it was (laughs) cute. The other one that was very disturbing was, um, I think there are some people coming to get Take Me Away or Uh some. I think it's one of the later stories and it's about Shaima's husband, who, um, again, I said a nine-year-old boy who escaped the Taliban. And for someone who's close, you know, we're all the same age. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine selling eggs and potatoes without going to school or, you know, sitting in a school. I mean, outside the school, watching children go mm-hmm. to school wanting to go to school but can't afford to do it because you have siblings that you need to support. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things, you know, growing up on the Bollywood movies, you see that in movies in the 1970s, Oh, you know, the old world. And then, you know, you see someone your age doing exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. in the late 90s, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, that that was very disturbing. At the same time, you see the resilience of a little boy Mm -hmm. to just take it which is which is great yeah. and the other um, few stories that that i mean i think that i a lot of people talked about loss you know loss of a loved one back no. home and not being able to go back because of the flight well, how long yeah. is this? Like going back to asia you know and those things i mean you know i have old grandparents in india and i think for me that that connected on a different level because mm. even though i mean thank god they're still alive but you know When something were to happen, I'm like, you know, yeah, by the time I get there, I probably will never get to see them, you know? So these were the, I think that was the connection, I think.
1: okay. Good stuff. Excellent, excellent. Um, um closing towards the uh, the end of the interview. Um, I have two questions, no, three questions left for you. Your book is crowdfunded, right? At this moment, at least that's uh, that's a way to uh, uh, to actually get this book published. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How, why did you choose for that, and it's uh, just the, the the process around it.
2: So when we started writing this book, and once it was done, we pitched the idea to agents. Mm-hmm. Agents. We were very excited about it, but we were new authors. So they told us, go to publishers. We went to publishers, and they said, oh, this is great. You should go back to agents. So oh, God. we did a lot of this zigzag a lot. We were as close to getting signed on by an agent, and then she said, oh, you went to the publisher that I would have pitched the book to, so I can't take you because you already pitched it to them. And so as new authors, it was just like this maze we were trying to yeah. just out of. And so we learned about Publishizer, both of us being uh, engineers, we'd heard about Kickstarter and, you know, campaigns being crowdfunded on Kickstarter. So we looked up uh, Publishizer, which is a crowdfunding campaign specifically for authors. Mm -hmm. And what they do is um, when you get to a certain number of pre-orders, they query your book to a certain number of publishers and then publishers show their interest in the book. And, you know, and then finally you sign on with one of them. And we like the idea because we want to get published. We don't want to do it the self-publishing route because there's still a little bit of stigma around it. And as new authors, we're like, we want this book to get more of a worldwide audience. I think this book can sell if only somebody took a chance. And so that's why we decided on Publishizer.
1: Okay. All right. Excellent. And um, when do you think this book is going to come out?
2: Uh, We're targeting the end of the year.
1: And the end of the year. Okay. We're recording this on April 17, 2017. So that's for people who are listening in the future. Um, so towards the end of 2017, you're, that's the, uh, the aim for this. Okay. Excellent. Now, the most difficult question is this one, <laughs> but it's going to be easy for you, I guess, because you are, you're so experienced. Can you give us, the audience, three tips to become more culturally competent from your own experience, please?
2: I think, um, being more open to the to the culture that you're in, I think, and to other people's culture wherever you come from. And uh-huh. for me personally, coming from India and moving to America, I think I had to be more open to the American culture because uh-huh. I realized that if I'm if I don't accept it, I probably won't won't do too good here. Like I could sit and nitpick about every little thing that's different between India and America, and ultimately get nowhere with it. Uh-huh. So I think acceptance respecting other cultures because I, I again I said I travel a lot and I see so many people go in other countries and just being like oh that food is horrible but I'm like don't eat it but you don't need to say that to someone's face that you don't right. like
1: the food. Yes.
2: Okay. Know, respecting. Um, and the third I, I personally think it's important for people to get to know other cultures. I think the more you travel the more you see the world I think the more accepting you get of the world and of other people's culture. But if you're going to sit in your cocoon and say, oh, my world is amazing and this is the mm. only place you're going to be, I don't think you will learn or learn to accept someone else. But that's what I think.
1: And and what if, you, if you're not really in the ability to travel a lot or at all even?
2: Books. I think books take you into a world that, I, I mean, we always have this debate. My husband's a big TV watcher and mm. I'm not. I I love books, and so we always go back and forth. I guess for people who don't read television, but the thing with television is, you know, you got to filter out the yes. the bad propaganda that they're giving about other the other countries. Yes. Versus, you know, with books, I think it's a little more realistic because some of the people that write about other cultures are have lived there, or at least have grown up in a family that that is from that culture, or you know, have done research on it. So yeah, good stuff.
1: Excellent. Um, Chai, last question, the very easiest one. If people want to support your book um, or if they want to get your book, how can they do that? What should they do? And then finally, how can they get in touch with you if they want to?
2: Um, the Publishizer platform. So um, they need to go on Publishizer. It's very important because uh, you could buy it on Amazon years, I mean, to the end of the year, whenever it comes out but that's not going to help us get published right now. Mm-hmm. So it's important that they buy the book by the end of this month because our campaign goes off offline at the end of the month.
1: Then, which is the end of April.
2: April, yes. yes. So um, there's a pre-order link. You can go click on it and then you can just order the book. You, they take credit cards. Uh, the other thing is if, uh, we have – speaking packages if people want to hire us to come talk in their companies or um, organizations or whatever that would help us as well because that will give us a bigger chunk of pre orders. Yeah. Um, and if they want to get in touch with me I mean my email um, you know I'm always available on my email.
1: And what's your uh, email address? Or is that a secret?
2: <laughs> there, yes. <laughs> it's Sohan. so C-S-O-H-A-N at gmail.com Got it.
1: That's going to be in the show notes as well. Culturematters.com slash, uh, click the podcast tab because it has another URL there. Uh, it's episode number 7878, seven, and do get this book. It's, um, it's one, of the, one of the things I really believe in. and I think it has a, a sequel in it as well. You can, you can build on this idea. I truly believe this. Because the United States is so much built on immigrants, you know, and it, it's, uh, there's no reason to believe that it won't be in the future. So, no, excellent, excellent idea. Um, this is going to be uh, on the website, of course, on social media, and no doubt you're going to promote this yourself, I hope. Yeah. All right, Chai. <coughs> Excuse me, Chai. All the best with the pu- getting this published and getting this this baby born of um, for both of you, both for Chai Mai and for yourself as well. Uh, all the best, and I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you, Chai, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to get on the Culture Matters podcast. Um, what else do I need to say about this podcast? Of course, that if you do like what I'm doing here, then I would really appreciate if you could, could do me a favor and go to iTunes and leave a, um, high as possible review, of course, in the iTunes store, possibly on Stitcher as well. The more, the better, of course. The other thing that I want to point out to you is that recently, um, I've delivered an app to the uh, both the iTunes and the uh, Google Play Store. And if you're interested in s- checking out what that is, you can go to culturematters.com slash app. culturematters.com slash app. Or go to either Google Play Store and search for Culture Matters. The same in iTunes as well. Well, that's it for this 78th episode of the Culture Matters podcast, also available on YouTube by going to culturematters.com slash YouTube. Everything plugged, everything done, nothing more to say. I'll see you in two weeks.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.